feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Tonight, some big, big news coming, especially as we are monitoring events in Ukraine. In the last few hours or so, getting word that Ukraine's largest nuclear plant, it's the largest of its kind in Europe, is on fire after coming under attack by Russian troops. Could this be another Fukushima? That's what some people are even talking about in a worst-case scenario. That's, of course, that terrible meltdown that happened in 2011. And, of course, with this crazy dictator, Vladimir Putin, and the way he's been acting, who knows what he has in store. Remember, he was going after Chernobyl, and now he's going after this other plant, and apparently shelling and bombing are taking place right around this nuclear facility, which is an enormous concern, as right now, at this moment, Ukraine is getting pounded in every different direction. And tonight, I want to get your take on what should we do. There is clearly a madman, in the words of Vladimir Putin, clearly a madman in the actions of Vladimir Putin. And he has clearly horrible intentions, not just for Ukraine, but potentially for elsewhere. The fact that they are going after these chemical plants and nuclear plants, this is really serious stuff. So what should we do tonight? I want to take your calls as the world is watching. And by the way, it's been so tenuous that in the last few hours, President Biden actually had a call also with President Zelensky of Ukraine to ask his take about it. What's going on so far? No sign of elevated levels, but they are indeed monitoring it very closely. We absolutely have a madman on our hands. And there are also reports that the Russians are looking at potentially mulling plans for public executions. This man is ruthless, he is brutal, and he is unleashing everything that he can right now on the Ukrainian people. And there are many, many concerns tonight because the major port city in the south is now in Russian control. And with that happening, as they are also continuing to other parts of the south of Ukraine, the big fear now is that they will block incoming efforts, whatever that's armament, whatever comes in transportation-wise into that southern area because they have Crimea. Now they've got this port, and now they are planning to move north and also hit Kiev, the main capital city, basically from three different directions. That 40-mile convoy is still on its way to the capital city tonight. So I want to hear your thoughts because this is a heartbreaking, gut-wrenching situation. And some of the images that have come out from Ukraine in the last 24 hours have just been unbelievable in terms of the mass casualties, in terms of the attacks. 
reports of young boys, young school kids who were hit uh, by Russian shelling, by Russian bombs. The stories are heartbreaking and they are just unbelievable. And this, as we are now hearing that Europe's basically biggest nuclear plant has now been shelled and hit by the Russians. And apparently there are Russian troops trying to enter its facility. So think about what a tenuous, serious situation this is, not just for Ukraine, but for the world. What do you think should be done to stop this madman? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And by the way, everybody, coming up on the show today, we're going to have former chief of staff for the National Security Council, also senior fellow at America First Policy Institute, Fred Flights, who has incredible, great foreign policy expertise and knows this situation very well. He is going to be joining us here on the Rita Cosby Show just in about 10 minutes or so from now to give us his take on what is happening. Where do we go from here and how huge of a concern is this now with this attack on a nuclear plant? And again, the largest one of its kind in Europe. Now, all of this comes as I think about the incredible guts of the Ukrainian people. The Ukrainian parliament, as you have seen and heard all over the place, they've been out there. They have been singing songs. They have been talking and just out there doing interviews, talking about, please come and support our country. They have been holding fast. Think about these parliamentarians. Often they're usually business people. Now they are picking up rifles, and that's men and women are picking up rifles and saying, we are staying. Most of them are in bunkers saying, we are here defending our country as this brutal, brutal onslaught is coming. And yet today they went to probably one of the most uh, targeted buildings, I would say, in the world the parliament building in Ukraine. Think about that. You know that that building is on the bullseye of Russia. And yet they went to the parliament building in Kiev, the capital city, as it is being hit in various directions right now. And they are getting it from every which way but loose from the Russians. And yet the gutsy Ukrainian parliament, about 300 members out of the 400 that they have there in the parliament, came together and they sang the Ukrainian national anthem. Take a listen. How gutsy is this? Think of the courage of these people. Amazing to think that they are singing the anthem proudly, saying we are fighting, we are standing strong for democracy. Meantime, John James, who is an Army veteran, a GOP recruit, said this moment in history, what we do or don't do to Vladimir Putin 
may determine the future, not just of Europe, but for the world. Take a listen to how he described this a little bit ago. Uh, The next 100 days, make no mistake, the next 100 days will absolutely be critical in shaping the next 100 years. Will we allow the communists to do it or will America step up and lead? Will we allow the communists to do it or will America step up and lead? And I say America needs to lead in some form. We need to do something. And we're going to talk about, by the way, in the next hour, why are we still buying Russian oil? It is blood money. It is outrageous. It's so obvious that even Nancy Pelosi came out today and said we shouldn't be doing it. But yet this administration can't seem to figure it out yet. But boy, they are going to be figuring things out quickly because they are scrambling tonight with this report that a nuclear power plant, the largest one of its kind in Europe, is now under shelling, under fire, and getting hit from the Russians and also Russian troops trying to take it over. What a frightening scenario. And yet John James also said through all of this, Vladimir Putin shouldn't be treated as a head of state in any shape or form. He said that it is time to really get tough on him and round him up. Putin should be declared uh, an enemy combatant right now. Uh, Putin should be declared an an enemy combatant right now if he's being investigated as a war criminal. We should declare Putin an enemy combatant and therefore clear to engage. Think about that. An enemy combatant and therefore we should all be clear to engage. Think about that. That is a pretty bold step. But boy, think about how much the better the world would be if Vladimir Putin wasn't around. It'd be nice if his own people would take him out because they're trying to put pressure on the oligarchs, trying to take away their yachts and all these other things. Maybe one of them would turn around and try to get rid of him. Remember that famous movie with Tom Cruise when he was trying to get rid of Hitler at the time? Think about that. Maybe somebody within his circle would take him out. That would be the greatest scenario of all if it would be a Russian who would actually get rid of him. But boy, are we onto a scary territory. And John James said that he knows this all too well because he dealt with the former Serbian leader, Slobodan Milosevic, who indeed was declared a war criminal and was taken to The Hague to stand trial for his brutal crimes. I had the opportunity to work at the International Criminal Court, The Hague. Uh, I, I interned there um, interpreting and uh, and analyzing secret documents on Slobodan Milosevic's trial. That trial began because we used to have a Democrat president who understood how to put his foot down. We, You talked about uh, rocket and missile launches from within the country. Uh, ten weeks, ten-week air raid, ten-week destroying Slobodan Milosevic uh, and, and his ethnic cleansing thugs uh, in, in the country. Uh, and, and now we still have a, a presence in Kosovo to uh, to solidify yes. that, 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 that region in that area. Wow. So think about how that was handled. Should that be the model for what's happening now? Now that we have a madman whose troops are hitting a nuclear power plant, where do we go from here? And also, could he technically be called a war criminal? You look at some of the crimes over in Kosovo. There were mass graves. I can tell you because I saw them. I was over in Kosovo and I remember going over there and you could see piles upon piles upon piles. That was the ethnic cleansing by the brutal dictator Slobodan Milosevic and his henchmen. And it was brutal. 
But when you're seeing some of the images of what we're seeing now, this is brutal, too. And he is absolutely crossing the line in so many shape or form. So what should we do, America? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And when we come back, we are going to talk to Fred Flights, who is a great foreign policy expert, again, former chief of staff with the National Security Council, also a senior fellow with America First Institute to get his take on these dramatic developments and heartbreaking developments tonight. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show as at this time, Russian troops are shelling Europe's largest nuclear power plant in Ukraine. A madman is definitely unleashed and reaping the wrath for sure on the poor Ukrainian people right now. And joining us as these big developments are happening is Fred Flights. He's a senior fellow at America First Policy Institute, also former chief of staff at the National Security Council. And Fred, it's great to have you here tonight. A big night, obviously, with these new developments. And we just heard, Fred, too, that also uh, Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm had a conversation with Ukraine's um, Energy Secretary in the last hour. Also, President Biden has spoken to President Zelensky, and they're monitoring um, this uh, potential radiation and potential attack on a nuclear power plant. Um, Pretty serious stuff, Fred. It really is. This is just such a tragedy, and it's getting worse. Uh, Reportedly, there were no leaks of radiation so far, but this power plant is online. And uh, the idea that the the Russians would shell a, a, a plant like this really is reprehensible. But let me stipulate right here, I don't have any reason to believe this. This isn't true. Let's bear in mind that we are in the mid of warfare, and in the fog of war, both sides are saying things that are not always true. So, you know, I'd like to get confirmation of this, although I I think this report is true. Yeah, it looks like it is true that at least there is shelling. The question is, you know, right now they're saying that they're not seeing high levels of radiation, so that's the great news. But it does appear that uh, there are multiple reports, at least, Fred, that apparently there is shelling at least taking place um, and that they are watching this situation. What's so interesting, you know, Fred, is that they were talking about Chernobyl, too, that they were going after Chernobyl. This is crazy. It looks like the Russians took control of the Chernobyl area, apparently because they were going to pass through it on the way to Kiev, I, I don't think they attacked the plant, which would really be insane if, if they were to release the in, intense radiation left over from the 1986 meltdown of one of the Chernobyl reactors. Uh, but, I, I mean, obviously, nuclear reactors and warfare don't, don't mix well. And, and um, you know, this, this whole situation is getting worse and worse. Yeah, it is. And thank goodness, again, as I mentioned, uh, the White House is saying no indications of elevated levels of radiation um, from that uh, nuclear plant after a Russian attack, that there were shelling and there was a fire in the area. Um, What should we do now, Fred? Um, You and I have talked a number of times, uh, you know, over the last few weeks. What should we do now um, with Putin? Um, We even heard tonight there are people who said, hey, he should be a war criminal. 
Um, he should be treated as that. There are people who say he should be treated as an enemy combatant. There are people who are, you know, hoping maybe someone within his own team takes him out. You know, where what do you suggest? Where do we go from here? I think he became a war criminal when he ordered this war. I, I mean, I know horrific things have been ordered by him over the last uh, couple of days, but the fact that we're going to have to go to the U.N. to determine whether he's a war criminal or not, I think that is obvious. But we have this dilemma here because we have uh, the, the power with the largest nuclear arsenal on Earth, and uh, there's people calling for no-fly zones or uh, uh, maybe dropping shipments of weapons from U.S. Uh, uh, military planes into Ukraine, things that would bring us to war with Russia. And uh, that's something we can't do. And I know it's it's hard to understand why we wouldn't do that, given that the, the way that the Ukrainian people are suffering. I think the focus right now has to be put maximum pressure on the Russian government, on the Russian people, diplomatic pressure, economic pressure, isolate Russia, isolate and punish the oligarchs, put as much pressure on the Russians as possible, arm the Ukrainians to the teeth with the best possible weapons. I think if we go further than that, we risk a conflagration that could lead the Russians to violate the understanding we've had since World War II of not getting into a shooting war between the United States and Russia. This could lead Russia to invade the Baltics or to attack Poland or to bomb Western Europe, and uh, that's not somewhere we should be going. I want to ask you on uh, to your point about arming them, Fred Flights, because um, Kurt Volker, you know, ambas- former Ambassador Kurt Volker came out today, and he was saying maybe go for a limited no-fly zone, saying we're just helping with humanitarian or, or something to that effect. The other idea he brought up, too, was bringing in warplanes, like supplying Ukraine with warplanes, us not, you know, manning them, giving them to Ukraine um, so then they could maybe go after that 40-mile convoy. Does that bring us further in, or is that something we could do? It it does bring us in, and I, I don't think that's going to make a difference, first of all, but it's going to it's going to provoke the Russians. But, I mean, there are other things we can do. We can provide logistic support. We can provide intelligence. We can provide targeting information to, to, the, to the Ukrainian government. But, I mean, if we just decide to go in a little bit, to go to war with Russia a little bit, they're not going to see that distinction. And, and look, I'm with the American First Policy Institute. I do not want the United States using our military power in regions where we do not have strategic interests. We're not the world's policemen. I know that I hate to say that. But as bad as things are in Ukraine, if we're going to send troops into Ukraine or our Air Force into Ukraine – well, why don't we send troops into China to, to help the Uyghurs? There's evil all over the planet. There's different ways of dealing with it. The Europeans have to deal with it. I think diplomatic pressure, isolation, that's the way this has to be addressed as hard as that is to face. What about also cutting off Russian oil? That to me is always so astounding, Fred, that, you know, that we still have a policy of buying Russian oil. I know Nancy Pelosi came out today and said that she would ban it. It was interesting that she came out and said she'd ban it, but the White House still... Uh, has not officially banned it. We know that other countries like Germany are using Russian oil. Um, a lot of people say that's blood money because that's what's being used to ha- have him buy Euro- you know, Ukraine weapons against Ukraine. I never thought I'd say, God bless Nancy Pelosi. Me neither. Exactly Me neither, right Fred. I know. <laughs> and, and Biden is once again leading from behind. 
I mean, the series of sanctions he laid out in that speech he gave last week, they were immediately uh, uh, undercut by what the Europeans laid out. I mean, he wasn't going to lay out swift sanctions because he didn't think the Europeans would go along. Well, the Europeans came along pretty far on their own and also because of the speech that Zelensky made to the European Parliament. Uh, but look, I, 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 give, I give Biden credit for trying to unite the American people about the crisis in Ukraine, uh, trying to put maximum pressure on Russia. We're not going to sanction the Russians out of this, but I, I am hopeful that the diplomatic isolation, the losses they're taking on the ground, and, and, and the protests we're seeing in Russia will lead to a situation where maybe we will be able to come up with a negotiated solution. And, and I, I think the best solution, and it's not the best solution, but it might be the only solution, yeah. would be that the Ukrainian government promises some type of neutrality deal uh, in exchange for a cessation of hostilities. Oh, let's it's pray for that. To let's talk about that, but we may have to talk. We may have to go there. Fred, thank you. We have a hard break. Thank you so much. The great Fred Flights. Thank you. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, law enforcement officers in Santa Fe, New Mexico, from several different agencies are searching still at this hour for a man suspected of carjacking and kidnapping a woman and leading a very high-speed chase on the interstate that ended in a deadly four-vehicle crash, which killed a Santa Fe police officer, Robert Duran. Now, the person fled from the scene after the crash and managed to evade officers, including those that were even searching in a helicopter. The officer, named Officer Robert Duran, was a 43-year-old officer. He had joined the force as a cadet in 2015, and he leaves behind a wife and two teenage boys. And, of course, our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family and, of course, his great family, the men and women in blue. Well, you just heard from Fred Flights to get his take on what he thinks should happen now. What should we do to put maximum pressure on Vladimir Putin. Um, he was suggesting intensify the sanctions, including why are we buying oil? We're going to talk about that in the last uh, in the next hour, because to me, it's outrageous that we are still buying Russian oil. And also Germany is still buying Russian oil. And the funds from that are going towards buying weaponry that's being used against the Ukrainians. You know, it is so crazy at a time where the Ukrainians are begging for our help. They are pleading for our help, and they desperately need it. Why don't we give the $83 billion worth of machinery that we left behind, guess what, in Afghanistan, remember? We left that behind in the Taliban. Why don't we somehow just pick it up and bring it over to Ukraine? Because, boy, do they need it right now. As the big breaking news tonight, that Europe's largest nuclear plant has been hit by Russian attackers, that Russian missiles and Russian troops on the ground are apparently surrounding that nuclear plant, and apparently there's a fire there. So much so that President Biden has been on the horn with President Zelensky. Also, the Energy Secretary, Jennifer Granholm, has been on the phone with the Energy Secretary there in Ukraine right now. Uh, No traces of high radiation levels coming out of that plant 
But boy, this is really serious stuff tonight, guys. What do we do with this madman, Vladimir Putin? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And this comes at a time where also there are reports that there are plans by the Russians once they get into some of these urban centers. They've gotten a major city in the south now that they have secured. But there are reports that they are planning to do public executions. It is getting really horrible and really scary. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Robert in Philadelphia. Go ahead, Robert. Your thoughts about all of this. How you doing, Rita? Um, before he calls, could you please let Stan know that any oil that came to the United States prior to Biden was mostly contracted for Luke Oil gas stations, so he doesn't try to say, where are we independent? Where are we independent? Anyway, I'll get on to my case. No, um, by the way, I always love correcting Stan because he's always so way off. You know, I, I treat yeah. him like a two-year-old. I try to speak slowly with him because that helps him. <laughs> it does. It helps Stan. Whatever we can do to help him and his comrades, we'll do it. <laughs> he's, a fellow, he's, a, he's a fellow American. He anyway, is. No, by the way, um, he is, he's lovable. I like speaking of which, Robert, and I know all of you know this. I love hearing from all sides. So for me, know. you know, I never mind people who have different opinions. I welcome it and I appreciate and respect everybody, as you know. Right. Um, I just had a few quick points. I promise I'll be um, quick. Um, I hear a couple things that trouble me. Every time somebody suggests we do something in Ukraine, oh, you're going to have nuclear war. Oh, you're going to have nuclear war. Well, that same possibility exists if they go into Estonia. So it's basically a piece of paper deciding whether or not we're going to defend free human beings. We're supposed to be the leaders of the free world. Um, and if he goes into the Baltic states, are we going to then risk nuclear war? Everybody thinks that's crazy. I think that we should be taking some kind of non-boots-on-the-ground military action, and I think that we should do things that we can't talk about to get rid of Putin, okay? And one observation I'd like to make. Uh, he miscalculated badly when he went into the Ukraine, and I'm looking at the world reaction, and I'm starting to think that military actions like this against sovereign states are becoming obsolete. It doesn't take weeks to find out about outrage. We, we watch it on TV, and the world is reacting much more strongly than I thought they would, which is a good sign. And maybe this is hope for the future. I'm just praying for Ukraine. You have a great night, Rita. Oh, thank you, Robert. By the way, I, I am praying big time for them tonight, and I appreciate your thoughts. Um, very, very important. Let's go to Pete in Staten Island. Pete, your thoughts about all this. You just heard what Robert was saying. What do you think, Pete? Hi, Rita. After I spoke to you last night, uh, part of my uh, WABC radio family, I keep in touch with a couple of people, uh, especially Norman and Jacqueline, two of the most smartest people on radio who I feed off of. I learned a lot from them. Yeah, they're great. Norman couldn't get through to you. He calls me, he says, tomorrow they're going to hit a nuclear plant. I call him Nostradamus now. I said, son of Nostradamus. He called it. My wife and I, when we heard this on uh, on the radio on WABC today, we flipped. We said, Norman, put this right on the head. That's just going to hit a nu- nuclear plant. 
And then iodine. That's what I'm buying stock in tomorrow. Iodine on the New York Stock Exchange. Wow. Whatever, yeah, whatever. Whatever. Right. Right. Now, you know what? You know what, though? It's interesting. I wish Norman wasn't right because, boy, is it getting scary, Pete. What are your thoughts as to what you think we need to do to Vladimir Putin now that it is getting so serious, Pete? I, I think we have to get involved. I mean, everybody's afraid of nuclear war. We're having one now. We're already it's already happening. We have to go in and protect our allies over there, you know, especially Poland. I mean, Poland was always there for everybody. They helped during the Holocaust. My wife is a Holocaust uh, her mother was a survivor and they were the people who stepped up. We have to do something. And I wanna see Israel get a little active in this because come on, this is the cause. This is what's going on. You know, we gotta protect our allies, even if they're not in this, uh, what do you call it there, uh, NATO. NATO. I mean, really, this is serious stuff. It's going to affect us with our food supply, our water supply. Iodine will be our, uh, what is that part of your body there that everybody gets a problem with? Where is it? The, uh, the, 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 the artery there. The, no, the thing that you need the iodine for, uh uh, people get sick, very sick from it. It's like having cancer. Uh, the thyroid. I got the thyroid. It. Yes, sorry, I knew. Pete. I was trying to figure out. I was trying to think of the same thing too. You know, and, I, but I, no, I, no, no. But I'm, Pete, but Pete, real quick, do you think what? that somebody maybe in Russia has the? I don't know. I'm gonna. I use this phrase sometimes. You guys, the cojones to go and try to take out Putin because. In a perfect scenario, some oligarch gets frustrated and says, you know what, um, maybe we can't take it anymore, or at least removes him, you know, even removes him from be power. Because it ain't going to be, it ain't going to be Sleepy Joe, because this guy don't even know what's happening. I mean, he, Jesus, his wife has to pull his uh, uh, puppet strings or something. This is pathetic. Why was this guy elected? Well, everybody blind? Donald Trump did a great job and protected us. I mean... I don't know. I'm, I don't know how much damage this guy could do if Donald Trump could correct it. I hope so. Well, it uh, is it is a disaster. And Pete, thank you for the call. I love that, and it's good to know that Norman is spot on. Because uh, if I ever like pick numbers for the lottery, I'm going to make sure I take uh, Norman's advice for that. Boy, um, but you know what? You brought up a very powerful point because. Biden is not leading. He is just following so far from behind. And to me, he is just so weak. Putin senses this. I mean, Putin was talking about doing this for the longest time. I mean, Putin was out there saying, these are my plans. I am planning on going in. I am planning on going after, you know, uh, the old Russian empire. He telegraphed it in a manifesto that he put out in July, you know, and I couldn't believe that this week during the State of the Union, President Biden's like, oh, we were prepared. We were ready. Are you kidding me? This is prepared. This is ready. We have been just so docile and so uh, weak in the sense of nothing we have done, I think, in any shape or form has thwarted Putin in any way. And I think we have just looked like we've been wagging our tail right behind Europe And that's been an embarrassment. And I think our lack of leadership has hurt us so much. And to your point, Pete, I agree. I don't think we would be in this situation in any shape or form if President Trump was here. He had a relationship with Putin, but he was also very clear and very direct. And I don't think that Putin in any shape or form would have challenged him to this. This he's like, just like, what the heck? 
You know, he expected all this. He beefed up money in the bank. He's still selling Russian oil. He's got an American president who refuses to drill on American soil that he's, like, been afraid to, like, he's cowtailing to his left side of the party. You know, he's, like, getting a green light to go ahead, and that makes me so sad as an American because I want him to do well. I am so worried, sick about what's happening over there in Ukraine, and the world should be, especially as we are watching what's happening now with now a nuclear facility that has come under attack by the Russians. I mean, it doesn't get any uglier or any scarier. Let's go to Michael in Nutley, New Jersey. Michael, your thoughts about all this. Go ahead, Michael. Hey, Rita, that person you were interviewing before said something about provoking Russia. Well, the thing is, Russia has been provoking us. And uh, I don't know what more evidence he needs that Russia it has been provoked, but he's provoking us now. But my main reason to call is I would like to send out a PSA to all American and non-American U.S. mercenaries. If your wish is to meet a Russian soldier on the battlefield, this is the best time to do it. Maybe Ukraine doesn't have the money to pay you, but at least if your wish is to fight and kill a Russian soldier— just go to Ukraine and do it, because maybe we can't send in U.S. troops, but American and non-American mercenaries, they're not part of a government. They're their own businessmen. And so I would hope that all mercenaries who hear my voice, or to your 7 million listeners, I think that, that is, and across the planet who are listening to you, please go to Ukraine. If, you're, if you really want to kill a Russian, this is the best thing to do it, to meet them on the battlefield, you know, one-on-one, man-to-man. Please go, because the Ukrainians need the help. You might not get paid, but at least you might have one of your dreams fulfilled. That's what I wanted to tell. Wow, uh, Michael. You, but you know, you know, it's interesting, Michael, by the way. And, and obviously, U.S. troops are not there on the ground. But to your point about civilians, there I read a report that about 16,000 people have come up and just sort of signed up for the Ukrainian to help them, um, you know, again, on their own. Um, doing it because they want to go in and fight. Um, there are so many, like, Ukrainian citizens who left the country who've been outside, you know, for years and now coming back into Ukraine because they feel so passionate about it. Um, but, you know, it's amazing, Michael. Um, did you hear, and I want to play a little bit of this, think about the guts. You know, any day you sit there and go, oh, God, things are bad and, you know, crime is bad and this is bad and all these things are going on. Think about the guts of the Ukrainian parliament that is singing the national anthem just a few hours ago, you know that that parliament building is probably like the biggest bullseye. It's probably like got a big circle around on Putin's map because he definitely wants to hit the parliament building, anything tied to the government there in Kiev. And yet 300 of them came together. And here's a little bit of them singing just a few hours ago. What a great powerful message of freedom and what an amazing message of defiance i love these parliament members and i love when i see you know some of the young women that are parliament members and guys that you could tell like first time they've like picked up a gun but they got this huge ak-47 or they got a collision that they're like holding up and they're like you know if he's coming here we're we're blowing their heads i mean they're like ready for bear they like make a sylvester stallone in a rambo movie look like a wimp you know, but here's a little bit of here's a little bit of them singing the anthem. I love this. I just want to honor them because I think it's so great. Ukraine, 
love that. It's like totally sticking it to Putin and the Russians saying we are still here. Um, let's go to Al in Tenafly real quick, New Jersey. Al, your thoughts about that. How amazing is that? Hey, Rita, uh, Putin has already said he's not stopping short of taking Ukraine. And this is going to sound very uncivilized, but this is a desperate time. I feel that Vladimir Putin should have a price put on his head, $1 million, to take out Putin. There are plenty of hitmen around the world and right in Putin's own entourage who would gladly do that for a million dollars. And by the way, there was a story out that indeed did say that a Russian billionaire, um, people aren't sure if it's a correct, if it's a, you know, there's a lot of misinformation, who knows out there, but there's a Russian businessman who apparently is offering a $1 million bounty to Russian officers to arrest Putin as a war criminal. That's according to this one guy. That's at least what he is claiming. Um, And then there are stories, by the way, Al, in addition to that, um, there are stories of many people who are hoping that uh, just like, uh, you know, how Colonel Stauffenberg, remember, that was the famous movie with Tom Cruise, um, where, yeah, who tried to kill Hitler and it was unsuccessful and sadly, which is why it's so risky. Um, But there are a lot of people like Lindsey Graham tonight who's putting out a message saying he hopes that somebody in Russia, quote, takes this guy out. Al, thank you very much for the thoughts. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. What should happen to Vladimir Putin now that Russian troops are hitting Europe's biggest nuclear power plant? Luckily, at this point, no indications of elevated levels of radiation. But boy, things are getting very serious and reports that the Russians are planning mass executions of Ukrainians. It is getting really deadly and very serious. Is it time for the world to get tough on this monster? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And lots of breaking news tonight. Again, as we are hearing it, President Biden and President Zelensky of Ukraine spoke tonight about the Russian attack on Europe's largest nuclear power plant in Ukraine, as there are reports that there were strikes on it, that there was a fire at this Ukrainian power plant, a nuclear power plant. And of course, that absolutely raises the stakes tremendously. Um, At this point, no sign of elevated radiation. That is the good news because worst case scenario, boy, uh, this is really serious. I mean, you think about what happened in Fukushima. Remember Japan, that was a meltdown that took place. That was extremely serious. Many people died, um, and that was in 2011. And so anytime you were dealing with nuclear facilities, and now the fact it is wartime, there are strikes, there are fires said to be happening there, apparently Russian rockets hit it, and there was bombing right next door to it. Um, the world believes that it was a targeted strike, that it was a planned strike, according to a series of different reports. And this comes as many parts of Ukraine are under massive assault tonight. And things are going to get really ugly, guys, and that's why this is really such a scariest, dangerous situation. First off, of course, when you're dealing with nuclear, that is tremendously concerning. That's one 
And two, as we are hearing that now they have captured a major southern city, basically trying to create a land bridge almost on that southern part of Ukraine and blocking entranceway, which means food and supplies and machinery, anything basically trying to come into that direction. So they've got to get it all basically through the other side, basically through Poland, because remember, they're basically surrounded right now on the north um, and they are surrounded on the east and they're surrounded on the south. And really, it's Poland there uh, that is to the west of them um, that they are able to have a supply route in and where refugees are able to also go. But things are getting really dangerous, really ugly and really frightening for the Ukrainian people because now many civilians have been killed. And the last 24 hours has just been really brutal. And they have yet to even hit the capital city yet. And that 40-mile convoy is still sitting out there. Just latest reports were anywhere from 12 to 15 miles away. So everyone's wondering, what are they doing? Are they resupplying? Are they building up? Are they waiting for a timing issue why they wanted to get that southern port city? And then they would try to squeeze Ukraine and squeeze Kiev the capital city, from every different direction. It is a doomsday scenario, and we have a madman at the helm by the name of Vladimir Putin. And tonight, there are a number of people putting out the word that somehow this guy needs to either be removed or removed from Earth. What do you think, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Let's go to Michael on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Go ahead, Michael, calling in here to the Rita Cosby Show. Your thoughts? Uh, my thoughts are uh, this thing was over before it started. Uh, I don't blame – I blame Ukraine, and I blame the world for this. Why do you blame uh, Ukraine? Run- well, well, okay, like, like the referee says when you step in the boxing ring, protect yourselves at all times. When Russia months ago started uh, fortifying the border – Ukraine should have done the same thing. There should have been man for man to match Russia's wit. And they should have started purchasing weapons or asking for weapons. They were, Michael. Michael, they were. They were pleading with the world for many, many months saying we need more armaments. We need help. We need this. They were pleading with them and the world wasn't doing anything. It's only been really till, you know, since this whole invasion happened that suddenly our president had some epiphany and the German president, thank goodness, they've cut off Nord Stream 2 and they've done these other things. But the Ukrainian people have been telegraphing this for many, many months. But sadly, nobody was coming to help them until suddenly they realized, oh, gosh, Putin really is doing it. Go ahead, Michael. No, no, no. I I understand exactly what you're saying, but but you know, like I said, if if there would have been man for man, you know, they held them off for six days, five days, you know, before Russia really started to pound them with artillery and tanks. Uh, but if there, in my opinion only, if if there was man for man, it maybe would have taken a little bit longer for Russia to get to where they are today. Yeah, and by the way, Michael, your point's a good one in terms of if we did have. The man for man, if the Ukrainians had man for man and the same weaponry and the same number of forces, your point's a great one. But that much of it is the fault of America and the rest of the world. They weren't coming to the aid until just recently. Suddenly they went, oh, gosh, Putin's heading towards that country. He's really going to do it. We're going to continue talking after the break. Feisty, fearless and fair. 
she's an Emmy-winning journalist. From the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story, this is the Rita Cosby Show. latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And there are massive explosions taking place tonight all over the country of Ukraine. And also one of enormous concern, Ukraine's nuclear power plant, it is its biggest of its kind, basically in Europe, is now on fire and came after attack from Russian troops. It was hit by bombing, also rockets coming in. And there were a series of very high-profile calls that took place tonight between President Biden and President Zelensky, also Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm, also trying to find out, were there any radiation leaks so far? No elevated levels of radiation, but a very, very big concern that Russians are now hitting civilian targets and also nuclear power plants, of which there are quite a few in Ukraine. This is getting tremendously serious and tremendously concerning. And, of course, throughout all of this, I just love President Zelensky. I think he is such a warrior. He is so amazing. Here's a guy. He's a comedian and an actor. He actually did Paddington the Bear, the voice for Paddington the Bear, the Ukrainian version. Think about the guts of this guy compared to our president. Think about, like, how brave and how gutsy this guy is. He is fighting and staying with his country. Meanwhile, our president can't even figure out whether to sanction Russian oil or not. We're going to get to that in a moment because, boy, am I fired up on that issue tonight. But first, President Zelensky saying today he did a news conference with some American reporters over there in Ukraine where he has been staying with his people, saying that he is fighting and saying that it's a shame that the world took so long to come to the aid of Ukraine because now it may be too late. But take a listen. The whole world is late with Ukraine. Uh, you know, started late making decisions. Uh, let them forgive me. Uh, their nation said, uh, talked about this. You saw what happens in all the squares of the world. People come out and support because they're people. They're smarter than all of us. That's it. And they said to them, they were pressuring them. But the whole world has to know that the whole world came late with this policy. The question is not about, you know, somebody treating Ukraine well or not. Of course, most people and these na- leaders, they all treat well Ukraine. But nobody was even thinking that in modern world that human being can behave like an animal. That's it. Wow. Unbelievable. And yes, now he is pleading for help as Russians are hitting nuclear power plants. Well, there's some interesting solutions tonight. People are getting really, really to the point of how they feel about Vladimir Putin. Some saying he should be called a war criminal. Others are saying that they hope that a Russian will take him out. Lindsey Graham Senator from South Carolina saying that, is there a more successful Colonel Stauffenberg 
in the Russian military, referring to, of course, the role that Tom Cruise played in that movie where he was trying to take out Hitler at this moment. Is there somebody that's courageous in the Russian military? Let's hope to God there is, because that would be the ideal solution if somebody like that or even... If it's somebody who is a Russian oligarch or a friend who's just saying, you know, I can't take it. I'm being squeezed from every different direction. This guy is totally out of control. Should he be called an enemy combatant? That's what John James, who's a former Army veteran and also a GOP politician, is saying, that he should be classified as that. Because then if someone's an enemy combatant, we have a right to do a drone strike. That's actually what he's talking about. And also, you could capture somebody like that. Or you could at least take him as a war criminal to The Hague. Our president was asked, do you think that Vladimir Putin is a war criminal? Has he committed war crimes? And he said, well, we're monitoring that. We're keeping an eye on the situation. Most other people that you ask don't even have to wait for two seconds. The answer is yes, yes, and yes. Why is he not? Why are they not trying to find even one example like this cluster bombs that is U.N. ambassador was talking about yesterday, that, present that to The Hague. I give The Hague credit that they're actually looking at it. It's not because of our president. It's because The Hague and the international community is so appalled by what they have seen from Vladimir Putin in just the last week that they believe that there is enough examples right now to at least open an investigation. Don't wait till the Ukrainian country is off the map. My goodness, what do you think, everybody? 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Here is Kurt Volker. He is the former U.S. ambassador to NATO. And this is what he suggests as a scenario that could be done because, of course, Zelensky has been asking for a no-fly zone over the entire country, saying, can't you put up a no-fly zone? Now, a lot of people don't think that that's a good idea And, you know, I I sadly tend to agree because the minute if we Americans set up a, quote, no-fly zone over that entire country, that means that should a Russian plane come in, we would have to knock it down. We would have to say, hey, go down, go down, go down. And they're not going to go down. They're not going to turn around. Then we would be in in a military engagement. It is a very serious issue. But Kurt Volker had an interesting idea that maybe we could create a partial no-fly zone. Take a listen. Well, I think, you know, first off, remember what we did in Iraq uh, when we saved the Kurds and Saddam Hussein was going after them. Uh, It was a humanitarian action. It wasn't wasn't perceived as an attack on Iraq or attack on anyone else. It was a humanitarian action. I understand the objections of people who say, look, we're going to be confronting Russian aircraft directly. And this is where it all comes down to rules of engagement that we would have to communicate very, very clearly. We are not there to attack Russian forces on the ground. We will only fire if we are fired upon. And we're not there to attack any Russian aircraft, provided they stay outside the zone. And we declare a zone over Kiev and west. We're not getting close to the Russian borders. Uh, So I think if we communicate that clearly, people on the Russian side will understand. They may test it, and we may be forced into a minor confrontation, but uh, we are seeing civilians slaughtered. What do you think of that scenario, sort of a, quote, partial no-fly zone, or is that way too risky, guys? 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And then Kurt Volker also had another idea, saying maybe we should be giving the Ukrainians not just, 
you know, rocket launchers and javelins and things like that. Maybe we should actually be giving them warplanes. Take a listen. You look at this Russian column that is sitting there north of Kiev, ready to siege the city. They're going to use rockets. They're going to use missiles. They're going to use aircraft. They're going to use tanks. And they're just going to lay waste to this capital of Europe, Kiev. And so I think if we are giving them weapons, why not give them an aircraft or two or three where they already know how to fly? They've got trained pilots for this so that they can fight back. Wow. So that they can fight back. What about that? I contend we should have given the $83 billion of weaponry that we left behind and gave to the Taliban courtesy of this administration. And yet, in the middle of all of this, this has been just incredible to see. Why are we still, to this moment, with a policy coming from the top that we are still allowed to buy Russian oil? It is ridiculous. It's unbelievable. And why are we doing it? I say it's blood money. It is outrageous. And we find out how much we are actually giving to the Russians, not just us, but also the Germans and all these others. It is outrageous. Why are we sanctioning all these other things, but we're not sanctioning him in the gut? We're not sanctioning the money that is going to his war machine. It is so apparent that it is so distasteful and horrible today that Even Nancy Pelosi, I never thought I'd say this, bravo to Nancy Pelosi, because, listen, she was asked that question today, and she said, yeah, we should be banning and sanctioning it. Take a listen. There's been a push by some Democrats to ban the import of Russian oil, and Mm -hmm. I believe that Senators Manchin and Murkowski are going to put forth a bill on that today. Where do you stand? I'm I'm all for that. Ban it. Ban the oil oil come from Russia. Ban the oil coming from Russia. Bravo to Nancy Pelosi. So what the heck is wrong with our administration, the Biden administration, that is so cowtailing to the far left of this policy in their party, the ultra progressives who are so caught up in this climate change at a time where national and world security is on the line And how dare we be even considering to keep purchasing Russian oil that you know he's going to use to buy hardware and supply his troops on the other end? Shame on us and shame on the world. We need to take a stand. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Why is this happening? Why doesn't our president have a spine? Let's go to Tony in Rockland. Tony, your thoughts about this. Thanks for taking my call, Rita. I listen to you a lot when I'm when I'm driving around at late at night. Oh, um, good. I'm glad, Tony. What do you think? It's so I am so angry when I hear because here, I mean, it doesn't get any more serious than hearing that the Russians are actually striking a nuclear power plant, um, and now and you've got the Ukrainian people begging, pleading, please help us. Now the Russians are encroaching. They took a city in the south tonight. The Russians are talking about possibly public executions of the Ukrainians. It's getting so horrible and gut-wrenching. And we're still trying to decide if we're going to stop buying Russian oil. Are you kidding me? I think that just to give it some context here, the, the present leadership in our country is compromised. And you said that earlier. So there's stuff that's gone on there because of weak leadership that, we're being taken advantage of. 
and they saw the opportunity to do that. And that's the same thing that Xi Jinping is going to be doing in Taiwan. Yeah, we no, you're right. That is, that is up to the task here. And, and guess to... what? Weakness has now created not just national security, but international security. Yeah, but how convenient for them to take the spotlight off of how weak and uh, inept and whoever is controlling it, because I don't think that he's I don't think that he's there. You know, I think that there are other people making decisions, writing speeches, coaching them what to say, not to say. And and I think that the world stage sees that. Yeah, well, that's and what I was going to say. Behind the scenes, is now, you've got a guy that's just not he's not he's not the leader of the free world. Well, and let me say this, too, also, Tony, that if this is, is sort of some people believe it's maybe a bit of a wag the dog or a distraction. It ain't working because guess what? Just to your point, people are watching and saying, boy, is he even weaker than I thought. I mean, I never thought that he would be able to step up to the plate, but he's been even more disappointing. And that really saddens me, Tony, as an American, because I want what's best for our country. I want our country to look its best. I want the world to be safe. I want, you know, I want, you know, I want the best for the Ukrainian people. But if you have a weak leader that is flipping and flopping. They're not America first. That's all the whole global, the whole global agenda is about what do you think's happening right now? There's nobody talking about the Southern border. we got 2 million people poured across our border this past year. Oh, I know. By the way, Tony, did you hear in the state of the union, speaking of which he actually had the audacity, president Biden. I couldn't believe it. I thought I was like, had to take wax out of my ear or something. I was like, wait, maybe I misunderstood this. He actually said that he believed that, um, okay, we're going to get tough on the border. We're going to secure the border. Like he was like, we want to talk about, I'm thinking like, I I know I laughed when he actually said that. It was right around the same time where he said that the Democratic Party basically is for funding the police. Like like two lies within like a two or three minute period. I give you a lot more credit uh, to watch it because I couldn't stomach watching it. Yeah, it was painful. It, pain beyond painful. Can't I, I? I listen to people that are playing the clips the next day and and get the information that way. Well, you just have to listen to me, Tony. That's the only thing you have to do is listen to here on the Rita Cosby Show, and we'll fill you in. <laughs> Tony, thank you so much. It's great talking to you. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. After the break, why is this president not doing anything to stop? purchases of what I call blood money, of buying Russian oil at this moment that's still coming into the United States. There are a couple private companies that have actually stopped that policy, which is pretty amazing. Bravo to them. These are just private oil companies because they don't want to have anything to do with it. Some of them for reasons they don't want to get stuck with it. Some of it for reasons that ethically they don't want to touch it. I say bravo to those guys. Um, But why do we not have a policy change to say, no, we will not touch it? And why don't we start drilling in America? Why don't we start opening the floodgates? And why won't this president admit he made a terrible mistake by being reliant on Russian oil and the world being reliant? Why wouldn't you say, hey, open the spigots in America. We need to be number one again. He will not admit he made a mistake. He's cowtailing to the left of his party and shame on this president. 1-800-848-9222. And I'll continue with your calls after the break. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the 
latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. As developments are coming in, we are hearing about bombings taking place in Ukraine as we speak. It has been a very rough night where there have been attacks all over the country, including, again, a very serious report that there have indeed been attacks at one of the largest facilities in the world, one of the largest nuclear facilities. It's the largest of its kind in Europe, and it's based in Ukraine, and there have been strikes from Russian troops, fires at this facility. This, of course, is causing enormous concern and is definitely the big story tonight, so much so that President Biden, President Zelensky spoke, also energy officials talking to check the radiation levels. This is a very very big issue. And this comes as there are reports of just unspeakable different attacks on civilian locations by the Russians and also reports of people who are saying, well, you know what? Maybe we should call Vladimir Putin for what he is, a war criminal. I say bravo to that. And yet through all of this, why is our American administration not condemning Russian oil? I want to hear your thoughts tonight because it is so apparent that we need to take a policy of not buying Russian oil. We buy anywhere from 4% to 7% typically, but it is billions of dollars a year that we give to Russia. The numbers are staggering, and we have continued to do that in recent weeks. Why would we not have cut off that pipeline? Why has Germany not cut off that pipeline? Why has the world not cut off that pipeline? Obviously, they need the oil. But if we had been producing in our country as we were before President Biden, we were energy independent. We even were doing net exporting. We could have beefed up our supplies. We could have looked for other alternative supplies around the world and said, hey, everybody, you're taken care of. You don't need to rely on Russia. Think about had we done that and had we thought about that doing that months ago, Putin would never have the money to supply his war machine. He wouldn't have the finances. He wouldn't be able to have that 40-mile convoy that is now just maybe a day or so away from slaughtering the city of Kiev. And these pictures are going to be horrible, guys. This is one of our first sort of modern wars where things are now being shown on Facebook and TikTok and Instagram. There is not hiding it. Like in World War II where there were some horrible, brutal scenes And we all have seen the pictures. My father went through it. My father lost 90% of his unit. He saw a lot of it firsthand. But there wasn't a TikTok and there wasn't social media back then. This is now going to be really ugly and really horrible. And think about maybe some of the things that the world could have done. And I wish that our president has had really much more courageous activity, spoke up so much sooner, and could have done something for the world. Because when America leads... That is an important effort. Then the rest of the world kind of comes on board. But our president has been so weak and so lackluster. And a lot of it, I think, also has to do with sanctions. And why not sanction oil? Let's go to John in Nassau County. John, your thoughts about all of this? Excuse me. My thoughts about sorry. My thoughts John, are you coughing or sneezing? Are you coughing or sneezing? I'm trying to figure it out. I'm coughing. I got got lung issues because of uh, Oh, my goodness. Well, John, thank you for being with us. Thank you. I don't want to hear anything else. Let me finish. All right. Number one. John, you're really really spirited, John. Whoa, go ahead. The American government does not buy the oil. 
American oil corporations buy the oil from Russia. Okay, the government does not control the American oil companies that buy the oil. We are not we are not a socialist state. The the uh, big business buys the oil from Russia. I know we under we buy, un- well, you hang no no can hang I, on one second, John. John, with all due respect, let me finish. Because yes, we they do buy it. But we can tell them, do not buy from Russia. That is banned. That is sanctioned. It's just like regular businesses. We are not doing that. And that is abominable. We're saying, oh, we're going to go after an oligarch. We're going to do this. We can absolutely tell a Russian company, do not buy from there. One thousand percent. And you know it. And I know it. And the world knows it. Rita Cosby is on. Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a special shout out to our great men and women who are there helping to protect the NATO countries. Many of them, by the way, are in Poland. And I've talked to a number of folks who are over there who are dealing with the U.S. military that are there trying to help with all the many, many refugees that are flooding out of Ukraine. Some of the numbers tonight, it's amazing how many are happening. It's over at least 100,000 a day because last night when we were on the air here in the show, we were talking, oh, it was about 600 or so. Now we are hearing that the numbers could be anywhere over a million refugees. Think about them and about 100,000 or so flooding into Poland every day because, of course, Poland's to the west of Ukraine. And if you look at the borders right now, Ukraine is getting squeezed in every single different direction. And Ukraine is flooding, you know, very much the Ukrainian refugees going their west, heading into the borders of Poland. And that's where many American troops, there are several thousand of them that are there and many NATO troops as well, helping with the humanitarian crisis. People literally leaving. Um, It's been incredible to see and hear about people who are leaving with everything, literally the shirt on their back, uh, leaving families behind, leaving people behind, coming just with safety and with, you know, signs saying, hey, over here, if you want to get some water, here's where you can get that. Here's where you can get baby formula. Um, You know, you think about the crisis and things we have seen in our country when there have been tornadoes and there have been hurricanes and people coming to the aid, that's basically what's happening now in the country of Poland, helping these people that are in Ukraine fleeing um, what is now an onslaught by the Russian government. And you can see right now um, reports that there have just been massive, massive bombings, massive attacks that have been happening in the last few hours. And also, again, Europe's largest nuclear plant being struck tonight, and there are lots of talks going on at this moment. In fact, uh, reports that President Zelensky has basically putting out a plea directly to President Putin after this escalating violence that we have seen in the last few hours, and particularly with the strike on the nuclear plant, a report saying that President Zelensky is putting a personal plea out to President Putin now saying, quote, I have to talk with Putin to stop this war. Uh, urging President Putin to come to the negotiating table, not with unreasonable demands, but saying, listen, for the good of the world, um, please put a stop to this. Let's see if Putin, if this madman responds. 
Um, but again, our thoughts and prayers, of course, with all the great men in military, not just our troops, but NATO troops that are now protecting the world's freedom. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. What should we do about oil that I contend is blood money when U.S. funds or foreign funds are used to buy Russian oil that is now funneling this Russian war machine that is slaughtering the Ukrainian people? And also, what should we do with President Putin? Is it time to call him a war criminal? Is it time to call him an enemy combatant? Is it time to maybe look at going in, just like, you know, we did with Osama bin Laden? We ultimately got the guy, remember? You know, remember after all that work and all that intel, is there somebody maybe within Russia's cabinet that might flip? Is there, a, you know, an oligarch who is fed up? I like the idea. There's actually reports tonight of a Ukrainian uh, Russian businessman. He's got Russian roots, but apparently he is offering a $1 million bounty on Vladimir Putin. How do we stop Vladimir Putin? What's your best suggestion, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ in Queens. BJ, your thoughts about all this. Go ahead, BJ. So that's a good strategy. I would raise that to $25 billion, though, and then you'd bring uh, Putin into custody. He is a war criminal. He should be tried as such. Uh, and uh, he's decimating that country, and he won't stop. Now, to your other question uh, regarding the oil, uh, I think we what we would need to do is to ramp up the Keystone Pipeline again and get on board with that, but we won't. And the reason we won't is because uh, Joe Biden would then have to lose political face uh, with his uh, hard left wing of his party and his commitment to the Green Deal measures. Uh, the right thing to do is to go back on our oil supply, but he won't do the right thing. And uh, the problem with this, though, is that what if Putin decides that, hey, I'm going to double the price of oil? So instead of uh, 600,000 barrels a day, you're paying double for it, you know? Right. And uh, he's got us in a box. And that's why this whole crazy. Green New Deal. And listen, I'm all for, like, clean energy. He would look at, you know, I thought about BJ the other night, and, and I was listening to the State of the Union with all of you guys. You know, we were all listening to it together. I was thinking at that moment, BJ, is this president going to have the courage to maybe come up with a half measure? Like, say, okay, we're going to go back because of the dire circumstance that's happening in the world. I mean, think about tonight. We're talking about Russians attacking a nuclear power plant. I mean, it doesn't almost get any more serious than that. You know, and I'm thinking in my mind at the State of the Union, maybe he would say, you know what, why don't we do a whole bunch of new jobs, create new jobs, and he can tout his, you know, new job strategy and go after, you know, creating, you know, green energy, clean energy at the same time when I'm going to, because of the national, international crisis, we're going to now just temporarily, we're going to open the Keystone. We're going to have drilling in Anwar. We're going to do all this drilling. We're going to do this. But at the same time, we're also going to be looking at green energy and clean energy and all these other things. So he could kind of have all these alternatives. Wouldn't that maybe satiate, you know, the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortezes and all these people who seem to be leading this country down to the toilet? You know, it, it's incredible. No, he could be the next JFK of green energy like JFK was for the space program, but he won't. 
because uh, he uh, is uh, not long-reaching. He knows he's a short-term guy. Uh, he's not going to make it after this. Uh, he's a one-term guy. He's going to be a Jimmy Carter. Uh, I don't believe the party's going to run him again, and I don't believe the party will win. I think uh, Trump and DeSantis will take it in 2024. Uh, he's but gonna but have you know what? Route. Ukraine doesn't have that much time, BJ. No. You know, I mean, that's no. the sad thing. No, we're we're at a very big disadvantage now. This was on the drawing board by Putin. Putin's already he's already we've seen we haven't seen the worst of this. This was on the drawing board when Donald Trump left office. The troops started amassing and uh it was almost a fait accompli for the Biden administration. He said so what 6 7 weeks ago. Well, Putin's going to go into Russia into Ukraine. So he he did nothing about this. Uh, and uh, I can't help but think that the brinksmanship of Donald Trump would have never allowed this, never given this plan from Putin any oxygen. Putin wouldn't have dared try to try this under Trump uh, because the world stage respects strength. It doesn't respect aggression and, and, and a crazy maniac like Putin, but it does. Uh, we, we are. America. We express American exceptionalism, which means we know we're the greatest country uh, on earth, but we also have a responsibility to help fledgling democratic republics and stand by them shoulder to shoulder against tyranny. Donald Trump understood this. This president never understood this. No, I agree. I agree. Uh, BJ, thank you very much. And I think this weakness has created much of this climate, this denial. I call his, it wasn't the state of the union. It was the state of denial. Um, And by the way, BJ, I want to give everybody a preview because um, just a few hours ago, I interviewed General Keith Kellogg, National Security Advisor to then Vice President Pence and also to Trump. He was on 18 phone calls with President Putin. He knows President Putin. He's been dealing with President Putin. You know, he was dealing with him with Trump. So he was right there. He had a front row seat. And he said the exact same thing. He said that this never would have happened, as you're saying, BJ, if President Trump was in power, that President Trump was always had a relationship with Putin. And he did. He could pick up the phone. But he said if President Putin dared cross a line, even verbally, he would have put him in his place. And that sort of he called it sort of rational, irrational, sort of that mixture of things that Putin wasn't quite sure what Trump would do, always kept Putin in check. And it was clearly a message of strength. And here's a little bit. I want to play a little clip because I asked him, I said, you know, why the heck are we in this position right now with the drilling? You know, the the blockade of drilling, the uninspiring Americans to go after it right now. And he actually recited, he used this line, he recited from Forrest Gump, stupid is as stupid does. I want to play the clip right now. This is Keith Kellogg, General Keith Kellogg, from our podcast. To give you a little glimpse, we're going to be posting the podcast tomorrow. But here is a glimpse of him reverting to Forrest Gump when he's referring to President Biden. We are dependent somewhat on Russian oil, as are other countries. And, of course, Putin is using that money, I'm sure, for military and to sustain some of this. Why don't we stop that? That, to me, is such a big question. There are even Democrats in the last 24, 48 hours that have been saying, yes, we should be banning all Russian oil. Yeah, you know, Rita, I think keep thinking back to a really great movie called Forrest Gump. And a great line in that movie was, stupid is as stupid does. It's almost like, what are you doing when you bring in 800,000 barrels of Russian oil a day, 
Uh, and then we stopped the Keystone XL pipeline. And then, you know, when you hear Jan Saki, the, the press secretary said, well, there's a lot of leases out, out there for him to drill on. Look, I, I came from an oil drilling family. You don't drill on leases if you know there may not be oil there. You're looking for a profit incentive. So you said you're telling these oil companies to go wildcat, go try to find the oil. Well, <laughs> it just makes no sense. So I want to play. This is Jen Psaki. This is uh, comment number four from Jen Psaki, because this is Jen Psaki basically responding to the question today. She was asked at the White House, why are we not banning Russian oil? Not just us, but why are we also not asking the world to do the same? It's a pretty obvious question. Take a listen to this exchange at the White House. On the, the cost of this, I mean, the president has sort of braced American people for this, right? He said that you know, defending democracy and liberty is never without a cost. So is it just that banning all Russian oil and gas imports, that's just a cost that he thinks is too much for the American people to bear? Well, I think there's two different pieces here. Banning roy- royal, banning Russian imports, right? Or uh, what he has done is carved out payments for energy trade and transport from our financial sanctions. Uh, they're slightly two different things. Uh, and the president, uh, the, the, the uh, volatility in the oil markets, uh, as the president has been predicting and as you referenced, he talked about in the speech he gave last week, is a direct result of the fact that President Putin invaded Ukraine. And that has created volatility. One of the, the big reasons, of course, that the president announced the release of, the strategic, of 30 million barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and the coordinated release is to address that and ensure we are doing what we can to put more uh, in the marketplace. So was that like a bunch of gobbledygook or what? Uh, 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 uh. And Katie McFarlane absolutely believes that the poor people of Ukraine, that basically the policy was drawn because of this president's philosophy and policy toward green energy. And uh, listen to her heartbreaking statement of the situation of Ukraine and vis-a-vis Biden's policy. I think the tragedy of all of this is a year ago, Ukraine was lost. I mean, that is the huge tragedy. And why was it lost? Because a year ago, America had energy independence. President Biden came in, started shutting down the American energy industry. What happened? The price of oil and natural gas went through the roof. What did that do? It gave Putin a huge war chest to go to war. And then the second part of it is that Europe is is dependent on Russian energy for its very survival. So as a result of that, Putin, as long as he wants Ukraine, eventually gets it. The price will be very high for him, which is, is sadly for the Ukrainian people. But I think it's a real wake-up call for the United States. So basically, she says Ukraine was lost a year ago because of Biden's policies. Will he ever come to terms with this, guys? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike in Fort Dix, New Jersey. Go ahead, Mike. Trump won. Hi, Ms. Cosby. Yeah, hey, what was that? I missed that. Go ahead, Mike. Trump won. Trump won? Hi, Ms. Cosby. First and foremost, I'm a huge fan of yours and miss you on TV. And may your great dad rest in peace. Oh, thank you so much. Thank welcome, you. Ms. Thank Cosby. you. Thank you. Now, are you a veteran? I, I, are you calling uh, from Fort Dix? I lived up for a couple of days, 30 years. I was actually born on Fort Dix. My uh, dad retired at Fort Dix. I was raised on Fort Dix. Bravo. <laughs> but no big deal. No, I'm by the way, by veteran. the way, before you get forward, I just want to say I, I when my book came out, my book about my father, 
which yeah, I call, tell everybody is a love story to America because my dad was rescued by American troops. I yep, did an man. event at Fort Dix, and it was one of my favorite times. I did it with a whole bunch of the troops there, and I love you guys. So thank you for you and your family and, and everybody. There was so many great heroes there at Fort Dix. I, it was one oh, of my favorite you, moments. Thank, thank you. So anyway, uh, I'm a Cold War veteran and a retired Sergeant Major. I laced them up for 30 years. Thank you. We invaded Iraq for much more or less than what they did to Kuwait. And here's my point, and I'll let you go. The Biden administration is a train wreck, and this is what happens when your cabinet members are solely based on color, race, gender, and creed, as opposed to the most qualified person for the position. And also, by the way, Mike, also just this— and thank you, and let's go, Brandon. Hey, hey all thank right. You. Hey, listen, Mike, I love you through and through. I think, first of all, you know, more importantly, this crazy left-wing philosophy. Um, they have clearly been so beholden to this green energy at the effect of putting America last, you know, saying, okay, well, we're going to cut off oil and drilling. And he is so dug in, and they are so dug in. And they're so worried of looking weak and looking like they were wrong, which we're all kind of going, obviously it's wrong because it's put us in a national security risk that they won't even revert to it at a time of dire crisis for the world and right now for the Ukrainian people, which are just getting slaughtered tonight. In the last 24 hours, these images are heartbreaking. And this president doesn't have the guts to go up against these ultra left leaning loonies in his party that have made it all. Oh, we got to go green energy. You think a windmill is going to save the Ukrainian people right now? This is outrageous what has happened. And they are too dug in to change their policies, even at the expense. And he is just looking weak and pathetic. And it really is heartbreaking for me to see these images are going to get worse and worse and worse in the next few days. And I, you know, the American public needs to go enough. We need to say, this is why we need a strong American energy policy for a national security policy. And by the way, if wind was working, you know, and all these other green energy ideas were working, I'd be the first one to say bravo. You know, I'm not one of those people who's like dug in. But this is exactly why until you have another strategy, you can't turn over the strategy you have that's working. 1-800-848-9222, and I'm going to continue your calls. I love you, Fort Dix, after the break. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And things are getting very ugly right now in Ukraine as there are massive assaults taking place by the Russian government. And again, of course, the very serious news that we've been talking with you here on the Rita Cosby show of a Russian strike on a nuclear power plant. It is Europe's largest and so much concern over this that there were enormous series of calls taking place in the last few hours between President Biden and President Zelensky, also the Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm and the Energy Secretary of Ukraine, just checking the radiation levels as a result of the strike so far, no elevated levels. But boy, is it getting serious that there are actual Russian strikes and bombings taking place on this nuclear power plant as there are massive numbers of refugees coming outside of the country. Also, many people saying, you know what, it is time to treat Vladimir Putin as a war criminal, time to treat him as an enemy combatant. 
And I say, at minimum, we need to be stopping purchases of Russian oil. We are sanctioning these oligarchs. We're doing these things. In fact, there was a guy with a yacht that actually had a missile detector, basically, on the yacht. Many people are thinking it wasn't just his yacht. It was basically maybe Vladimir Putin's yacht. I think all that's great. But why are we not sanctioning Russian oil at this time where the people of Ukraine are taking an all-out assault? Some of these images that we have seen in the last 24 hours are heartbreaking, and it's going to get worse. So why are we still getting money from United States? How, we, how are they getting there? I'd like to know that, too. How, how, is, how are people buying Russian oil? What kind of bank are they doing? Clearly, they cut off some of the swift banking, but they didn't cut off oil. Surprise, surprise, surprise. 1-800-848-9222. And it is so obvious. Nancy Pelosi is saying, don't do it. Nancy Pelosi. I never thought I'd say bravo to Nancy Pelosi, but bravo to her tonight. She has more guts than the Biden administration. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to John in Brooklyn. Go ahead, John, your thoughts real quick. Thank you. Um, I think since since Molotov in 1953, Russia has tried to join NATO. You're talking um, about the uh, Molotov-Ribbentrop deal that was taking place. You're, and that actually happened prior no, no, to. No, no, Is that what no, you're talking not, about or which one? No, 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 not at all. That happened before uh, Russia was invaded. Exactly, in exactly. Yes. Which one are you I'm talking, talking about? 19, 1953. When Molotov was still under Stalin and that he wanted, as well as Stalin, to join NATO. And it's been rejected ever since. Several Russians have, have tried to um, uh, join, have Russia join NATO. So this is like, this is the rejected. ego. Is that where you're going, John? Is that, that the, the ego of Russia? That it's, and by the way, I agree to, with you that, that NATO, and I know exactly what you're talking about, uh, the, the other deal that happened, that that they were trying to, absolutely, and also Russia also was so upset at the fall of the Soviet Union. This is, I agree that it, that there's this ego of NATO, there's a sore point of it as a result of that, as a result of even before all of that too as well, and also this thirst to bring back the Russian Empire. So I think you've hit a lot of great points there, I, absolutely. Let's go to Elena in Tinek. Elena, real quick, your thoughts about what should we do with Vladimir Putin? Okay. Uh, Vladimir Putin is a KGB agent. GRU has never changed. They got worse than the KGB. Vladimir Putin set sanctions on America and American energy, and he had the American progressives carry out his sanctions. And now he's laughing at the sanctions we gave him. He already gave us sanctions. Oh, it is heartbreaking. Elena, heartbreaking. Dale, I'm going to go to you because you were waiting all this time. Real quick, Dale from South Carolina. Real quick, Dale. Oh, yeah. I wanted to congratulate you on how you handled the um, president's speech. That was uh, beautifully. <laughs> Thank you. I enjoyed. But the sta- I Dale, enjoyed. did you like that I called it the state of denial, not the state? of the Union, and I love South Carolina, my alma mater, USC.